Hello and welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And this week, y'all, it was totally and completely the fault of the one-armed man. Yes. We are going to talk about 1993's third highest grossing film after Jurassic Park and Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh, The Fugitive, based on a television show from the 60s, which I didn't know until today. Uh, But before we get started... I'm going to ask you how your week was. Uh, my week was actually, um, well... <laughs> Not great. Turns out no, it wasn't great. No, it wasn't. Do you want to explain things? And... Yeah, yes. so um, we live in Oakland, <clears throat> which normally I don't like the associations that people have with Oakland. Um, I think they're largely unfair. Uh, but we do have two new bullet holes in our walls so maybe they're not that unfair on friday night after some sort of dispute and some uh, we don't know what happened but our downstairs neighbors were involved in an altercation that involved gunfire and some of that gunfire came into our residence so uh now we have to deal with the cops and the fact that there are bullet holes in our walls that could have been bullet holes in our bodies. Yes. Which is not no, a great it's not feeling. Fun. No. And uh, all of us now are having trouble with the sleeping. Yeah. And having trouble with the stress. It's, um, I think the issue is it can be a rough neighborhood sometimes. And so we travel out even to, to walk our pets and stuff in little. Groups. In groups, yes. Uh, but the idea that you can be in your home. Yeah. And just some random stupidity happens. I was getting ice cream. Right. I, put a, I paused the movie we were watching, and I went to get some ice cream. And before I got a scoop of ice cream in the bowl, there were, there were new uh, holes in our house. Right. It was like 8.45 on a Friday. Yeah. Uh, apparently, no one was injured in the shooting, and we will be f- we will be pressing charges because it is, you know, illegal to fire a weapon right. into uh, a domicile. So, uh, at, when asked by the cops today, I deferred my response as to whether I wanted to press charges to wait to hear what your response was mm-hmm. because I don't want to bring more cops into yours or Stephanie's or Ari's life than need be. I am the white person in this house, and you are people of color, so I don't want to bring cops in where cops are not wanted. So I was, I checked with you first, but you wanted to file, you wanted wanted to press charges. Otherwise, then what happens? It feels like you could just get away with firing a weapon whenever the fuck and wherever the fuck you want, which is not... I mean, there's a laundry list of reasons this is fucked up. Right. But, yeah, we can't. We we decided that we couldn't just be like, no, it's cool. Right. Because it's not. Right. We have uh, one of our other roommates goes out. uh, Well, one of our roommates goes out and takes a smoke on the porch. Mm -hmm. And could have very easily been out taking that break. Yep. Or my kid could have been coming home after visiting a friend because they came home later that day uh, or that night. It it was, yeah, it was scary how it could have 
just hit one of us. It could have ricocheted off the wall. It, there's all sorts of ways that that yeah. could have gotten completely wrong. They could have fired up. Right. Their ceiling is our floor. Right. So that would have gone into my room, probably. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, it's, it feels uh, bad, mm. generally bad. So that's been our week. Hope yours was you better. you had a better week. <laughs> you and the audience, the listening, the great listening public. All right. You want to get started into this movie? Right. First, I want to ask you, mm-hmm. uh, what is your history with this property? The property... I was watching reruns of the original television program from so you 1963. So you would watch the TV show. Yeah. I've never seen the TV show. So tell and me about it. Is it good? It was the blueprint for TV shows like The Incredible Hulk. or um, And there's several others that follow that same pattern. Uh, there's a person who's out to prove their innocence or is on the run from the police. Yep. This all dates back to uh, Les Miserables. Sure. And well, he's not trying to prove his innocence. He's just trying to live his goddamn life. Right, from a person who's obsessed with proving that uh, Jean Valjean, well, put him back in prison for escaping after he served years and years and years for stealing a loaf of a bread loaf to of feel bread. his family. Yeah. It, mm. um, and so, whereas uh, Javert in that story is relentless and actually commits suicide when he is confronted with Jean Valjean's actual, you know, saving his own, you know, saving, saving his life. life. Yeah. Um, the idea was to make Gerard, who was the uh, the police officer in the TV show, more human. And he didn't appear in every episode. He was only in, I think there was 120 episodes, and he was in about 35 or maybe 40 of them. So he wasn't a character who showed up all the time. Okay. But it was the same dynamic that got set up later on when... Uh, you're watching episodes of The Incredible Hulk, and there's the reporter who's constantly after him, trying to to uh, to get a story. Yeah, and so all of these sort of set up the law versus justice right. fight, right? Like, like yeah, I broke out of prison, but I shouldn't have been in there in the first right. place. And the film, I mean, in the uh, television program, it starts with. David Jensen, who was an inexplicably popular actor. I'm not sure. He was very kind of wooden to me, but... Oh, interesting. Uh, he uh, he played a man who was having issues and arguments with his wife, and then she's killed in an attempted bl- burglary. Ah. Uh. And it falls on him. And so he's out chasing this one-armed man, and in turn is being chased by... Uh, there was a one-armed man in that one, too? Yes. But, th- th- but he wasn't a doctor? Or was no, no, no. He, no that... well, he was a doctor. Uh, he was a... Um, and that was... A, the Richard Kimball from the original television program was a uh, a doctor who had served in Korea. He was a combat doctor, so that's why he knew how to stitch people up quickly. Right. And knew how to karate chop people sometimes as the occasion demanded and things like that. So, so was there a... Was there a pharmaceutical bent no, 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 to it? It was just a random... This film has... Yeah, and what's interesting is when this property got bought, it apparently was in... There was a, a few years earlier, 1987, uh-huh. Brian De Palma had made a huge hit out of a, The Untouchables. Yes. Which had also been a television show. 
And apparently, very quickly, all sorts of television properties that had an oh, existing Oh, it's like when, the, when they did, the, uh, in the 2000s, they did the Miami Vice and the right. Taxi and, like... Well, they did, uh, <laughs> there was any number of them between, uh, the, well, right after The Untouchables. And if, if you, that, I'm surprised that film isn't on the thrills list, because it's really, really good. Which one? The Untouchables. The un- oh, yes. Um... It uh, it was very strange because also Brian De Palma went very first rate talent with that both before uh, behind uh, the camera and in front of it right um, but when that became successful almost immediately the fugitive was bought up as a property and it was just in turnaround for five years well different writers reworked it and different directors were attached to it okay uh, and finally it came to Andrew Davis. Because the producers were going to lose their option if they didn't do something quickly. Oh, interesting. And so no one expected the film to then go on to be nominated for seven Academy Awards. But it it was one of those films where it everything sort of fell together right, because they had the right director and the right star, and that tied everything in together. Nice. Okay. So, want to talk about that star? Sure. It's Harrison Ford, you guys. It's Han Solo. He is this might be one of my favorite performances of his i don't like i don't have the star wars love mm-hmm. for harrison ford um indiana jones more than right. han solo for me but always i feel like not always often i feel like he is hmm, sort of distant mm-hmm in his work and I don't feel like that's the case with this one right. so that was nice to see um, yeah I know I've seen this movie once before but I don't remember when I saw it uh, and I didn't even know it was based on a TV show that seems wild like normally if you said this movie is based on a TV show I'd be like oh so it's going to be terrible well yes but <laughs> I mean and for every and there were great ones I mean there there are a couple of the Untouchables, this film, they're masterpieces, right? They're just excellent examples of timing and direction. Yeah, and then there's that terrible... Um, there's Car 54, Where Are You? Un- yeah, but that, I don't like with the source material. I couldn't right. get on board with that one. But I'm surprised they didn't try Mr. Ed, but uh, then also between these two films... There was a Mr. Ed movie. There was a Mr. Ed movie? I think so. Hold on. <laughs> no, I'm afraid I'm wrong, but I feel like... There was also a Dragnet... That was very financially successful, and of course, the Adams family. That was financially really successful. Sure, um, I was thinking of oh, the Avengers. Right. Oh yes. Oh. That, that was... not not no, the no, Marvel no. not Marvel's Avengers, right. um, but that show was so good, and then that movie was right. Exactly. Like not not. No. It was a TV movie in two thousand and four. It had Sherman. Hel- Helmsley is the voice of the horse. I was completely unaware of that. Yup. It had Sherilyn Fenn in it. All right, I'm going to close this. The the Fugitive. We have... There's. I don't remember how it is shown to us at the beginning. It's sort of a little bit... Like, the first ten minutes of this movie are confusing, and I think on purpose. Right. Because they don't necessarily, for a while at least, want you to know whether or not Harrison Ford is... Guilty of killing guilty his wife. Guilty of killing his wife. Um, but we do see that his wife is killed. He had been out and comes home. Um, 
but we don't see the interaction between them. His wife is played by Celia Ward. She's so lovely. She's she only is. in flashbacks. And lots of time you can't see her whole face. Like, it's like cut from, like, her... Like, you don't see her eyes in a lot of the shots mm-hmm. with her in it, for whatever reason. Um, and so they went to a some sort of awards fancy-schmancy right. dinner. And then they were going home, and then he got called back. He gets called out to an emergency. He's a vascular surgeon. That means he's good at, a, at small details. He is detail-oriented. <laughs> and um, so he goes, and she stays, and then there is a break-in. And, spoiler alert, uh, the one-armed man does come and kill his wife with a big rock, like, probably an award. It looked like, <laughs> like the body of an award, which sucks. Um, his account of events is sort of dismissed because she has insurance. She comes from money. And they do make a little bit of a point of, he's a doctor. Like, he's right. a well-respected surgeon. He's making that's money. Gerard Leaders asks the uh, detectives who are investigating. Like, because he begins to see that... This seems like bullshit. Kimball is, like, investigating. He, he, you know, he winds up escaping. Yeah. Well, yeah. Let's, right. let's, let's not. I mean, to we'll, we'll get to back to it. Yes. Said, the, the U.S. Yeah. Marshal that ends up on the case starts poking in... Well is led into the 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 original crime right. for which Kimball was um, convicted. Um, and so, yeah, starts asking questions like, he was... He was the only suspect you had? You didn't really look much further than... Yeah, and the, he had an alibi. I mean, they couldn't get the, the time right because when he got home, mm-hmm. she was still alive. So, right, right her, her time of death is... He's there, technically, right. right? And the huge pity is that you see that what you get the sense of is... Because the film just goes at a pace. Mm-hmm. And so that you're... That they loved each other. Like, it was, like, right. legitimate. They, they did, and they're constantly there's flirting with each scene. other. There's a sex scene. There's a past, you know, a flashback sex scene. A whole sex scene. Like, right. it's not short. Right. Sort of giving you that. No, no, no. They were still... They hadn't gotten to the point of the marriage where one of them was going to kill the other no. one. Well, that Whether is, and that's not, not necessary that you that's reach not that a, point That's not a point in every marriage, right. but it is a point in some marriages. But it seems very much like those two are in love. Yes. As a matter of fact, he's been called in. She gets home ahead of him. She spreads flower petals. She sprinkles petals flower petals, exactly. All like, over. Because the, they're going to have a romantic evening. Yeah, and then it she's waiting out. up for him. And then she yeah. does get... Murdered, hit in the head, struck. I believe blunt force trauma to the head is what mm-hmm. kills her, which sucks. Um. So, but he is convicted, sent to prison, sent to death row. Which there are a couple of points where I'm like, mm, that's not that doesn't pass the smell test for me. Death row doesn't make a lot of sense in this case. If mm. if the you know. The idea of the case is this man murdered this woman to get them in, to get insurance money. He is then, by definition, not a threat to society. He not was a threat to that woman, exactly. right? So, death penalty seems a little bit 
like my understanding, and that maybe this isn't the court, the case in Illinois. This this movie takes place famously in Chicago, mm-hmm. um, and maybe this isn't the case for the way the death penalty is given in Illinois. But typically, it's given to somebody who is like would be who just can't. You can't let right. them out because they are a they are a fundamental threat to all everybody everybody everywhere and that is not the case with this man he if he did this crime it was for money it was for the money that he would um he would make off of it it's different than a bank robber or something like who's killing mm-hmm. willy-nilly for just any money like i just and also once again he was a very well-respected surgeon whose paychecks were probably pretty good. All right, so they're going, they're in transport. They're on a bus. One of those buses that looks like it could have either migrant farm workers in it or prisoners. Do it, I say. Could we paint those farm worker buses to not look like prison buses, please? I see them every time I go down and visit Corey, and I'm like, mm. that's not great. So they're on a bus. And they are going to prison. They have different um, jumpsuit colors, and I think it's death row v not death row. Okay. And um, one of the prisoners says he's sick, and then he starts sort of convulsing so that the guards have to come through. Like, there's a gate. There's, like, a locked gate between the prisoners and the guards. And he goes through, and that prisoner was... Maybe faking it just a little, and well, there's a yeah, whole there's kerfuffle. Actually, there's actually there's a prison break actively organized by the other by the other people. Uh, Kimball doesn't have any. Kimball is shit. so, and Harrison Ford's performance is very good here. Uh, I mean, it's good. He the understands film, that he, if he makes himself known right. to these people, they will kill him because he he's not a murderer. He's not right. a he's not hard. He, he is a he's an academic and a surgeon. Like he's not going to he, get involved is playing a man so deep in his own grief though, yeah also that that he's just that's all he can think about yeah. because on top of everything else that's happening to him he now knows I mean that was the the, the scene that uh, that was in the trailer you know there's a one-armed man she was killed by one-armed man you yeah. find that man right yeah he's broken hearted because his wife the love of his life is dead yeah died in his arms yeah he's angry because the police have not only Convicted him for the crime, but they haven't convicted the person not, who actually like, killed him. The actual killer is yeah. running around. He's running around, yeah. yeah. So, but I think he also like calculates. He's very prison. Sharp. He's very sharp, and he's he. These are legitimate criminals, right. and he is. He knows not. <laughs> so, like, don't bring a lot of attention to yourself. Mm-hmm. Because they will kill you. They will right. kill you. Um. And, yeah, so then there's this, a whole kerfuffle. The the driver of the bus, of course, is shot, right? Mm. And so then we veer off the road and onto oh, train tracks. Because it just gets keeps getting better it's, and better. It's, yeah, this movie starts at like a nine <laughs> and just keeps ramping it up. Um, so... There's people breaking out. It's clear that at least two of these guards are dead. Mm-hmm. Um, w- one of them 
runs instead of coming to save his yes. partner. His part like there's a, the uh, there's a train coming. They can hear it. There is an unconscious sheriff's deputy, not dead, unconscious, unable to leave. His partner is like, yeah, no, I'm going right. to go, and runs away. And Kimball drags that deputy out of the bus just, just in time before the train hits the bus. Y'all, I thought this was done with little things. Oh, no. But this was done with a real ass train, and it. At the cost it costs of, like a million dollars. From what I remember, the actual cost of two whole cameras. And oh, really? That just got flattened. Jesus! And the the wreckage is um, still. You can still see it. It's in North Carolina, actually, weirdly. Right. Um, but the wreckage is still visible off of one of their like train lines, and they point. They're like, oh, that's okay. where the fugitive was shot. Um, and at that point. Uh, he he has gotten the keys, and so he is unlocked, and another inmate, Coleman, is unlocked, um, and he kind of thinks this deputy is going to be all right, uh, so he's like, I'm going to go. And Coleman also goes. Um, they agree to stay the fuck away from each other, basically. Like, And then he tells Coleman to be good. Because he's funny. <laughs> uh, Coleman uh, gets short shrift in this. It's really, it really fucking sucks what Tommy Lee Jones does to Coleman. We'll get to it in just a few minutes. Mm. Uh, so then the U.S. Marshals arrive. It's Tommy Lee Jones and it's uh, Joey Pants. And it's that lady actress that, whose name I always forget. Hold on, I'll find her. Do, 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 do. Daniel Roebuck's also a member of the, the Marshals. Yes, that's right. Who's another recognizable face? Is it L. Scott Caldwell? Yes. But she's really so she's really good. But they have this team, they set up and they start interviewing. They basically break in on a police interview. That is being put on television. Like, the interview that's happening doesn't seem like it should be aired, but it does definitely look like there are right. television cameras right. being pointed well, at it. It's very weird. I mean, or three, rather. There was a prison break. Yeah. There was a huge train accident. A huge accident. train accident, because this train is fully derailed. Right. It's, it's destroyed. And the... And I have to say that is one of the more spectacular things ever put on film. It's enormous. And yeah. It, no, it looks incredible. Right. And that's possibly from, well, possibly, is from the use of actual vehicles and the damage they could have caused to the actors. You really feel like you're a part of, uh, you're in danger as well. She's Rose from Lost. Oh, yes, of course. She's Rose from Lost. That's why I know who she is. Sorry. But, um, <laughs> oh, Lord, I forgot what I was going to say. So that there were three things that had happened. Oh, yes. Uh, the third one is that Richard Kimball is escaped, and there's been a huge amount of media coverage. So he's trying to assure, this, the, the person on site is trying to assure the public it's, that... Yeah, I think it's the sheriff. Mm -hmm. And then he's, try, yeah, he's trying to assure the public, and then there's also this interview that's going on with one of the deputies who right. says he dragged his partner out, and who says... 
everybody died. There are there. Are, everybody died. Like there are no. Um, none of the convicts made it out, mm. which would make sense because that gate shouldn't be open. They should have been locked well, back also, there. Also, he doesn't want to be accused of. He's the one who accidentally shot the his the driver. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so he doesn't want to be accused of yeah. that either. So he's like, yeah, no, they're definitely all dead. And then um, they find two pairs of leg irons with no legs in them. No legs in them. So then they know. They don't know Kimball is one of them, but they're going to presume that Kimball is one of them. Kimball is on death row, and in this case, was famous. So, yeah, he's... Right, he wants a hard target search of every chicken house, outhouse, whorehouse. He doesn't say whorehouse, and I really wanted him to say whorehouse, yeah. In in the, in the area. House. And... So he's single-handedly or single-mindedly like right. I'm that's catching kind of Richard Kimball. Whatever the fuck it character takes is that he just is very single-minded. Yeah, we see uh, Kimball go to a hospital because he has cut himself, so he needs to sew himself up. Also, mm. he needs to get out of these clothes, and he knows in a hospital he can find. Scrubs, he, he can find, yeah, or, you know, where the cl- doctors change their clothes, like, he'll be able to find everything he needs, and because he's a doctor, he knows his way around a hospital, so he can look, you know, in place, you know, right. look out of place. Uh, I believe this is also the location where he... Worked. Uh, no, 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 not the very first hospital oh, no, that he okay, goes to. Um, he shaves, I think, in yes. this part, too. He He goes to an old man who's like... Not he's out of it, and he goes into his his bathroom, takes his clothes, and then shaves, um, and then eats his breakfast. <laughs> he's hungry. He's been running all night, uh, and then he is stopped by a police officer to see if he's seen this man, six one, blue eyes, right, uh, beard, and he says, "I see him every time I look in the mirror, except for the beard, of course." And I'm just like. The balls on this one. <laughs> but that's how you play it. Yeah, Don't you do. Look you like can't you're look like your skin. Just be yeah. real smooth. And then he walks out the front door, past an incoming trauma, mm-hmm. closes those ambulance doors, bounces in that ambulance, and drives the fuck away. Right. Um, and the incoming trauma is the sheriff that he threw out of. Oh, the, it was that one. Okay. Right. Oh, okay. And he identifies. And him. he's like, it's he's so right he puts, there. Like, the oxygen mask over the guy's face, so he'll stop talking. That's right. Yeah, off. that's right. He's like trying to get people's attention because he's right. He's right there. And you know, one of the funny things I discovered was the cinematographer for the film was talking about the scene where Harrison Ford is driving just like hell for leather. Jesus. Old old expression, um, and apparently that was really Harrison Ford. That was on a stunt driver. They just put a camera in the back seat and they told him to drive. We're going to clear this section of road, and he took off at full speed. Oh wow! And, you know, with the lights on and everything, like he was fulfilling his childhood ambition <laughs> of driving an ambulance or a, or a fire engine. So yeah, he steals the ambulance, but they get a beat on. They find mm-hmm. out, or they hear there's a stolen ambulance, and they get a beat on him pretty quick. And uh, Tommy Lee Jones has a goddamn helicopter. Well, I'm sorry, ambulance, you're gonna lose against the right. helicopter. So he follows him until he's going to go into this tunnel, and then he lands the helicopter on the other side of the tunnel and closes off the back of the tunnel with, um cop cars. There's right. literally nowhere 
for him to go in this vehicle. So he gets out of the vehicle, looks to the left, looks to the right, sees the little culvert, and does squeeze himself out of there because he's not ready to give up yet. And then they're like, he's gone. <laughs> and Charlie Jones is like, How the, what the fuck do you mean he's gone? <laughs> he, he's not a magician, so he's not David Copperfield. He's not right. gone. We can find him. And he sees where he went out, and then he chases him. Splash, splash, splash. Which is, again, the part that reminds me most of Ladies Are Out. Yeah, through the sewers. sewers. Right. Um, Um, Right up to the, the, I don't know what it's called. Like a drain pipe. The drain pipe. Into a dam. Out into a dam. Down. Quite a ways. Several stories from Mm -hmm. where they are. Um. They tussle a little bit. I'm pretty sure that... Well, what happens is that he gets ahead of Tommy Lee, right? Yeah. Tommy Lee is trying to follow him through these tunnels. He slips and falls, loses his gun. Loses, he loses his gun. Okay, right. that's right. And as he's looking for it, Dr. Kimball has his gun. Oh, holds him at gunpoint okay. and tells him, I'm innocent. I'm innocent. Yeah, that's the thing. He's standing there with the gun. Uh-huh. On Tommy Lee Jones saying, I'm innocent. At the... At the mouth of this thing right, goes back to the ride. he can't go any right. further or he's going off the dam. Psst, he's going off the dam anyway. And Tommy the Jones just looks at him in his face and says, I don't care. Right. Because it's not his job. You've been prosecuted. A jury of your peers says you're guilty. That's all I need to know. I'm putting you back in jail. And then he goes for his oops ankle holster and at that point, Harrison Ford's like, well, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> and right. jumps and it's, it's into the dam. When we were watching it, I was thinking, you know, he's taking a calculated risk. Yes. Of course. But the idea is, if they get a hold of him, he's just going to go yeah, into electric charity. Yeah, he's like, I'm, yes, the state's going to kill me. Maybe even sooner than it was going to before, right. because now of all of this malarkey that I didn't even ask for, but I wasn't going to sit there no, right. while they showed up after I... Like, there's because no way. That doesn't make any well sense. Out. His motivation is still to find out who killed his wife. He's going to figure out and who killed his wife. And if the police are not going to find that. Nope. And there's a chance that he survives this yeah. huge dive. He's either going to be definitely killed uh-huh. or probably killed. <laughs> and so he goes with probably and goes over the dam. Right. And uh, does not die. Is probably limping for the whole rest of this movie, though. Yes, he is limping for the whole movie. But he goes over and he gets out and he makes it all the way to Chicago. Gerard comments to Joy Hans, Where'd he go? And Gerard says, Well, um, he did a Peter Pan. So he's not David Copperfield, but he is Peter Pan. He did a Peter Pan. And then there's, there's all of this time where. Tommy Lee Jones is still looking for a living Richard Kimball, and everyone around him for a while is like, he definitely died coming over that dam. And then he's like, great, prove it to me. Until right. you prove it, until you put response. a body in it's front like, of well, me. he's dead. Well, he should be easy to find then, yep. right? Drag the, drag the bottom. I absolutely want you to do that. Uh-huh. But until you provide me a corpse, he's still got forward momentum on me, and I'm yeah. not letting him have the time. Now... Here's what I, here's where I kind of am like, dude, you need to chill the fuck out a little bit. And that is because this man 
is not an active danger to anybody right now, right? Mm-hmm. So give him enough time to hang himself. <laughs> like, give him... <sighs> so, uh, we see that uh, Harrison Ford, Richard Kimball, Harrison Ford, I don't know, whatever you want to call him, has made his way back to Chicago, is renting a room from... It's like a Polish, mm-hmm. I believe a Polish um, woman and her galoot of a son. That boy is like, he's he looks like... Baby Huey. Right. It's like, <laughs> like if, you, if you look up in your dictionary the term goon, this is yeah. who you'll find a picture of. Like the characters from the Goonies, the right. mom and her right. LA doofus kids. Um, so he is, um, he's, he's going to live there, pay cash. He, um, he did intercept his friend. Right. Whose name is important, Doctor Nichols, well, um, on his way out of this gym mm-hmm. as he was driving and said, "Give me all the cash you have on you. I'm going to presume that you're compromised because they're going to try. They're going to they're going to reach out to everybody I would reach out to. So I'm not. I can't le- rely on anybody, and I don't want to get anybody in trouble. He's not trying to get anybody into trouble either. Um, so." His plan is going to be to get a list. He's going to go to the prosthetics department of a hospital and get a list of all of the males of a certain age that have an, a prosthetic arm and a certain type. There's a certain yes, mechanism. It beneath the elbow. There's yeah. a hinge at the elbow that he got scratched by and hit by in the face. Yeah. So but he, also that he broke. So he's right. like, okay, did, and they came in at, in the month after I... The, the incident to get it adjusted or whatever. Yeah. Um, and he gets a list of five, seven, something like that. It's not very many. Because um, he's also narrowing it down by age when he interrupted the guy yeah. in the process of, you know, because uh, his wife lived long enough to tell him he's still in the house. Yeah. And he fought with a guy. He saw a guy about his age, about his yeah. size. Yeah. So he was able to put all those details together. Yeah. And about, you know, he, he knew the right exactly the age. Yeah. So... Meanwhile, though, so mm-hmm. as he's formulating this plan, which he hasn't put into into play yet, we have a Silence of the Lambs situation where we see a bunch of police, no, the marshals, going after a house. And you think they're going after Kimball's house, but they're not. They're going after Coleman's girlfriend's house because Coleman's there. Uh, and... They break in, she's screaming, he grabs a gun and takes one of them hostage. One of the marshals, yeah. One of the marshals, yeah. The youngest guy in the team. Because he is, I mean, he doesn't want to go back to prison. He's mm-hmm. not on death row, but he, um, now he's got this breakout, so his sentence is going to get longer, right? Like, he just doesn't want to go back. So he's, like, trying to negotiate, and fucking Tommy Lee Jones comes around the corner and just shoots him in the yeah. fucking head. It's now, mind you, it's wild. Not only kills the the um, the suspect, well, the escape convict. Escape convict, yeah, because he's, he's not, not a suspect. A he's, suspect, he's, yeah. Perfectly well that he escaped. But they also he like he deafens right his own guy. his own guy who was 
just standing there like back to front mm-hmm. with Coleman. So the back of his jacket has is torn from where the bullets went. Like right. it went right between the two of them. Killing Coleman. And he can't hear. Right. And I'm like, because I was like, yeah, I was like, oh, he's deaf now. And like, he I hope about you it. don't like right. being a U.S. Marshal because I'm pretty sure that there's a hearing test involved. You have to be able to know who's coming up. You can't, <laughs> like, right. you can't do a field work deaf. Tommy Lee Jones don't give any fucks about that. No, he, he, and he also points a gun at her, his girlfriend who's screaming because. This man was just shot in her fucking house. She's screaming, and he points the gun at her and says, shut up, and she does. Right. And then he walks out. I'm like, the fuck? Like, that really, I was like, um, well, this is law enforcement that is out of fucking control. Right, and that's he's, <sighs> there's no excuses made for him either, because when his subordinate asks him... His, is, he like, comes up him, to him, and he's I like, you... I can't believe you fucking right. shot. And his whole thing is, I don't negotiate. And so we're, we, we're aware of the fact that he's not, this character is not, um, he might be humorous and charming and whatever else, but he's also very ruthless. He's out to get this. So we don't, at any sense, at no point in the story do we get the sense that he's going to take it easy on Kimball if he gets him. There's a real threat. Yeah, that he's going to just kill him, yeah. And he feels entitled to that because this man is on death row. Right. So So, he's already been convicted of a capital crime. uh I might as well just carry it out. Yeah. Coleman didn't commit a capital crime. He was explicitly not on death row. But oh well, I guess. So then we see Kimball, and he's, he's... gotten access to the badge of a janitor and he's faked the he's photo. Dyed he's dyed his hair. His name is Hermundo. Um, yes. He's going to speak Spanish for a little bit. And he does, <laughs> right. too. It's it's funny. Uh, and he goes in um, and he's got to kind of do some weird machinations because there's a girl working in the lab like right. late. And so he's like he closes the blinds and then he has to keep like swiping at them with a broom to make it look like that like there's a reason that they're closed that he's cleaning the back of them so he can't print it in in peace the way that he yeah. would like to but he gets it down to yeah 7 or something like that total um op- options and prints that out and it's so funny because it's 1993 and the printer the printer is a oh dot God. matrix printer it's so yeah. loud and he's trying to like and he like starts singing uh-huh isn't or, that what no, he does she, i forget exactly how he tries to cover the noise i think he turns a, mach- a piece or of the radio on. or something like that yeah, yeah he's got to do something where cuz the the sound of a dot matrix printer is unmistakable and extremely loud. Uh, but he manages to get out uh, and then he goes to the records department and he starts finding these people. And I guess one of them is going to ha- come into the clinic under downstairs. Is that why he's there? No, no. What happens this is... This is the that, Julianne Moore yeah, scene. The Julianne Moore scene is that the hospital has a really bad day. Everyone's swamped. It's yeah. one of those days that were every day on Code Black, right? Right. Um, and there is a kid who 
young kid. Right, but why is he in that area? Why didn't he just leave? He's like hanging around. And I think it's because one of the people on his list has an appointment. Mm -hmm. And so he's looking to see if it's the right person. Because he's got to look at all of these people. Right. This is around the same time, and I'm not sure which incident happens first, where there's a second kind of Silence of the Lamb moment where the police are invading his the place where he's staying. I think it's right after this. Right. Yeah. I think it's right after this because it's after we know that Julianne Moore knows that something wasn't right. So what happens, he's he's down there for some reason. It's, yeah, the ER uh-huh. is going crazy, like it's super busy. He's just standing in the hallway looking around. And, but I think it's because one of the people on his list is supposed to be here, so he wants to take a look, which I think we get confirmation of because we see the... Um, the black guy. It's right next to the prosthetics clinic. That's what mm-hmm. it is. The ER and the prosthetics clinic are very close to each other. So he is waiting to see somebody going in there to see if it matches his description. So he's just standing there, but he's dressed like a janitor. And they're running really tight. So Julianne Moore says, take this person to this. Right. This I think it's just down there mm-hmm. to imaging or something like that. It's not, not very far, but Kimball's been kind of looking and at, at what's been going on with this kid. And as he he acquiesces and takes this kid and her instructions, you know, her written instructions. And then he, like, asks the kid a couple of questions. As they're walking, he holds up his um, x-ray, and that's what which Julianne Moore sees. sees. Mm-hmm. And then he asks the kid a couple of questions. And then he takes the kid up to surgery finds an OR that's just starting and he's and he's rewritten the instructions. And then he goes back down and then tries to leave, but Julianne Moore sees him and tries to detain him. She takes his um, badge and then she goes to look for security, at which point he fucking runs. Uh, and he manages to, to get out and get away. And then the next thing we see is... Um, Tommy Lee Jones talking mm-hmm. to her and and seeing the prosthetics department, talking to her, hearing that this guy has now saved this has saved right, this kid's exactly. life. So now Tommy Lee Jones is also chasing a convicted murderer who has saved at least two lives because right, exactly. we know that he pulled he knows he pulled the deputy out right of the bus and he knows now that and... he saved this kid's life. Uh, so now this convicted murderer has now saved two lives in the course of it appears that he is trying to solve the murder of his wife. Like he right. is going back to his defense of this one armed man. Tommy Lee Jones, as soon as he sees the prosthetics department, oh, I think it's Joey Pantoliano, like follows someone in because he sees that they, they have a prosthetic uh, right. or one arm. And they're like looking around and then they kind of go back to the police and they're like, um, so this one armed man theory, what, what's, what's going on with that? But meanwhile, we have, we have these flashbacks of sort of his conviction. Uh There are these really interestingly shot quick things of like his lawyer basically telling him, we're not going to find him. In other words, they couldn't right. find the one-armed man. Now, that was another thing. I was like, I feel like he would have gotten at least this far a list of names 
And of, they do kind of address that in this film, but you go yeah. on and then we'll talk so, about that. Because I'm just like, I feel like a, a PI could probably make what Harrison Ford has done so far happen. Mm-hmm. Could probably get a list of names. It's, this is before HIPAA as well. So you might just have to sweet talk somebody to get a list of names of men from da-da-da to da-da-da mm-hmm. who have this particular um, prosthesis. And then you go and you... Look at all. You take a picture of all of them with a PI could do it, and then you put them in front of Richard, and you go, "Any of these look familiar?" <laughs> but, but, I digress. We see. Oh, and then the next thing we see after we know that Ju- Julianne Moore has talked to the cops, we or She's to the, so the U.S. <laughs> Marshals. I thought she was coming back, and she didn't. No, yeah, she was she, a very she was, brief. Andrew Davis is very famous for just. Packing his his films with really People. interesting actors. Yeah, and there's a repertory company almost of actors that he works with regularly. The his in fact his attorney, mm-hmm. uh, Harrison Ford's attorney, a man by the name of Dick Cusack. Uh-huh. When I saw that, I was like, uh, "Any relation? Yeah, dad of everybody." Right. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a really interesting director, and we'll talk more about him, I guess, at the end. But um, he. She likes new faces. When he did uh, Code of Silence, the, the Chuck Norris film, in that film, which was also set in Chicago, uh-huh. most of the same actors playing cops, um, he cast Dennis Farina in his first part. Oh, awesome. Who was a cop. Who was an actual cop. Who was cop. a real cop, and yeah. And he, he just, he, he was able to sit, and he plays Chuck Norris's partner, and as a sort of wisecracking guy who's constantly talking to him with all these scams about what they can get into after they retire from the oh, police force. yeah. And so it's a really funny part. But that's kind of his skill is like picking out new yeah. faces and going. And we see a couple of other people here um, later on. The actress from che- um, Glee. I forget her name right now. Oh, Jane Lynch. Jane Lynch. Is a pathologist. Right. Shows up later in this film. You're like, oh, okay. okay. I wasn't yeah. expecting to see her either. But he's really good at selecting people that work that work well with this kind of yeah. uh, group that he works with. It's it's like a mammity. Right. Um, it, it, it vibes up. Literally, though. I mean, Chicago, yeah. too. So then there's like, there's a bunch of different things that happen. So we do see the police coming in and raiding the building that Kimball is in, but they're looking for the son exactly. of the landlord. Who then, of course, is going to flip and say, that dude you're looking for is staying at my mom's house. Because, of course, he did. He's going to flip because he's going to try to lighten his sentence. Yeah, whatever he did. Or just <laughs> let me off. It was a great, not a great moment. I mean, it's sad. But when they're uh, taking away her baby, my beautiful baby, she's like, your beautiful baby is selling dope to underage girls. Yeah, like, right. What yeah. the hell? Man? Yeah, no, he's no. not, though. <laughs> um, and then we see the police talking to Dr. Nichols, mm. who doesn't lie. Right. He says, I saw Richard this morning. I gave him the money I had on him. It wasn't very much. He won't get very far with it. Right. Um, but he doesn't lie to the police at all. And the funny part is how often they pull that one. And yeah. that seems to be smart because they're going, well... 
And that kind of confirms, oh, right. he really he is back here, right? And then they I, they talk to him before they go to the hospital, and now and then they go talk to the police, and they're like, so your investigation was non-existent then? Okay, right. gotcha, got it, got it, got it, got they it. Call, they call it on the police the same way that they did with the sheriff. Yeah. He's making you know your bullshit story. Do you it, care to revise it? Yeah, exactly. And yeah. the guy in this case is going, you know, well, he wanted to kill his wife because he wanted to be rich and. Joey Pants or uh, Tommy Lee goes, uh, well, he's already rich. Yeah. And he goes, oh, but he wanted to be more rich. And it's like, yeah. what? Well, that was your, because, your theory of the crime. And, and then the police, <laughs> um, sort of at the at the very end, right. their response is, no, no, of course he's guilty. A court, conv- a jury convicted right, exactly. him. Right, exactly. And it's like, um, that's not actually what makes somebody guilty. Like, what makes them guilty is that they, in fact, did the crime. Yeah, <laughs> so, the shades of uh, the Central Park Five. There. Yeah. It's like, well, they got convicted, so they must have they been guilty. They must have been guilty. And right. the, the, y'all, we all know now that that's not true, right? right. Like, you you know that? If you don't know that, please let me know, and I will give you some resources, <laughs> because conviction equaling guilt is... Uh, a nonsensical phrase. Um, so we then see Rose on the computer tap, tap, tapping, male prosthetics, 33 to 55. Their, their um, search is not as uh, sort of specific as Kimball's search because he saw him and, know, you know, all of that stuff. So they're, they're a little broader. So they get like, Something like 37 um, names that they're looking at uh, in terms of who this one-armed man could be. So now that he's... Kimball has gotten the U.S. Marshal Service to kind of start researching this crime uh-huh. in order to figure out where he's going to be. But it... It worked either way. <laughs> uh, and then there is one of them that is in the jailhouse in the Cook County, uh, like, city hall, like, mm-hmm. Chicago City Hall. And there's a great scene where we see they're all going. And Joey Pantoliano is like, there's no fucking way he's going to go through all that security it, it's there's no way he's not gonna he's he's going to do that he's he's gonna look at all of the other ones and process of elimination it and Tommy Lee Jones is like now he's gonna go look at the one that's in jail this is a criminal it makes sense that this would be the one right so why would I look at three other people when I can look at because he's one? gone to the the trouble of calling on the phone calling all the numbers there yeah uh, pretending to be part of a I think it was a High school committee or yeah, com- different um, things. I think it was different right. things for but different people. That, that was but, yeah. struck me. It's like the reunions coming up and so, yeah. so, so on and so on. Yeah, and so he's able to go. Well, some of them are dead, some of them are in jail. Yeah. So, so he wants to visit the one in jail yeah, just he, to. Yeah. So and and Pantaleon is like, "There's no way he's gonna visit this dude." And Tommy Lee Jones is like, "He totally right. is." So he goes thinking that he's gonna interview this inmate to see if Kimball was there, to see how far behind them that he is. He's only like 24 minutes behind them, though, because they are in the building at the same time. Uh, Kimball takes the steps up, the stairs up, and gets in to see this um, 
inmate and it's not him. And then he's like, sorry, um, I made a mistake. And then the inmate's like, wait, we've got 20 minutes. You want to just talk? Like, which is like kind of heartbreaking. Right, exactly. Like, he's starved for human attention. And even if he doesn't know this motherfucker, he's like, please, like, if you go, they're going to put me back in there. Like, it sucks. It's just, it's like, oh, this is what another reason where it's like, oh, this is why he's trying to escape this fate. Because it's fucking terrible. Um, And he's like, I, like, he legitimately apologizes. He's like, yeah, no, this, this fucking sucks. And I'm sorry, but I have to go and it's true because Tommy Lee Jones is coming to the front door yeah, like he's right up one staircase now yeah going down and and Tommy Lee Jones is going up and then Tommy Lee Jones is like I hear stare I hear footsteps and he stops and he looks and they see each other and they gotta run again oh no and there's a very <laughs> clever way in which Kimball is able to get past or to get that much more of an advantage or that because uh, uh, Gerard is right on his heels. They're like, yeah, right they are. Heels. So he turns around and tells the security guys, there's a man back there waving a gun and then yeah. that has an afterthought. I had a woman. I had a woman. Yeah, yeah, had women, yeah. Like loaded so that yeah. you know, by hook or by crook he's going to get them Because to he's it. not wearing a jacket that says U.S. Marshal so he right. is just a man with a gun running through the courthouse. Right. Like, and he gets himself out and he runs across the square, and they see which direction he's going mm-hmm. in. And y'all, it is St. Patrick's Day. And what are the... And so, and we knew that from earlier because we see the Green River mm-hmm. that's so famous in Chicago. And also, y'all, stop doing that. Um, and he... There's a really fun scene where... Like four marshals are chasing Harrison Ford, but mostly it's Tommy Tommy Lee Jones chasing Harrison Ford, and he is going, you know, under awnings and taking off an outer layer, and then he's pe- taking this hat out right. of this, um, you know, this trash can because you know it's this huge parade. He's walking with with some of the participants in the parade. He gets and he gets himself away, right? And it's very cool. It's yeah, very fun. yeah, it's very, it's funny to find. And uh, apparently, it was really shot at the actual right th- uh, St. Patrick's Day parade in Chicago that and it year. It was shot with uh, with a skeleton crew. Apparently, it was shot with no planning whatsoever. And also, there's another movie that was yeah. also filming in the parade so that funny. same year, and that was uh, Michael Apted's Blink. So, if you were a, a, a parade goer. You got to see lots of... That that, year, you got to see all kinds of fun shit. um, Harrison Ford commented that he enjoyed, because he had to darken his hair to Mm -hmm. be Hermundo, is that for a little while he had anonymity and he really enjoyed it. People weren't, you know, running after him going, Hindi, Hindi, you know, that kind of thing. So he was, you know, he... uh, he had a good time there, although from what you've described, it's also freezing, literally freezing cold. Yeah, it's negative six with the wind chill. Oh, Jesus. 21 without it, so I, I don't need the wind chill, thanks. Um, so then we've got, it, it, like, he goes to the next person on his list, and that's the house of Frederick Sykes. Uh-huh. And ding, 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 we have a winner. This man is a security, he's like head of security at a 
pharmaceutical company that is about to go um, public with a... Devlin McGregor. Devlin and McGregor. They have a, They've got a, a Provasic, as yeah. I believe the name of the thing. And this is a drug that he's familiar with because he had sort of whistleblown when asked to, to do tests. Kimball did. Yeah, Kimball did. Mm-hmm. When asked to do tests or when asked to look at um, the livers of uh, patients who died on this thing, he had given bad news to this company. But, but they found, apparently, we, they, we hear they found a way around. Right. So it, it wasn't as bad as he thinks. We, we don't actually know that part of it, other than I'm a little surprised this is going to get, this is getting clearance because I, I was seeing some not good shit. Right. But also he knows a bunch of time has passed and whatever. But he sees him and he sees, uh, what's the, uh, the, this, I don't have it written down here. There's like, there's like two steps. Mm-hmm. So, Sykes's boss at Devlin McGregor was the sort of um, liaison with mm-hmm. the hospital. And so that is the man that Harrison Ford then is like, oh, he is the one that wanted, and it was about me. He wanted me dead. He wanted me to stop saying bad shit about his drug. Right. Um, and, you know, whether Helen was supposed to be part of it or not, she was there and he wasn't. And so she was killed. And he, so he blames the head of this drug company in in his mind. Then he finds out, I think he goes to a hospital and asks a nurse or something, mm-hmm. mentions the name and she, and she says he died six months ago in a car accident. And then like, Click, 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 click into place. And um, the new member of the board on Devlin, Devlin, what is it? Devlin McGregor. uh, And kicking off this launch is none other than Dr. Nichols, his buddy who gave him the money and keeps telling the cops that he's seen him around. (laughs) And he takes... He gets some pathology samples from the tests, or he he remembers maybe the 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 sta- the, the patients, and he g- goes and takes their samples, and he brings them to Jane Lynch, mm-hmm. as he said before, who was a guess a good friend of both him and Helen in the time before, because we see that they were friends before he goes to her for this, right? And she looks at the slides, and she's like, not only are these not from sick livers. They're all from the same liver. So Dr. Nichols had falsified these tests to the FDA, which is why they're going to make this drug, um, like let this drug go to market, even though it kills people. Uh, And also Nichols uh, looks like he probably maybe caused that car accident that killed the other, (laughs) the other guy. Like he's, uh, He's the one that's raking in all the benefits from all of this. And so he's like where Harrison Ford wants to aim. Because he's like, what's the deal with Sykes? Like, is he dead too? No, he's there. He is, um, he's brought in by the marshals. Right, he's brought in by the marshals. That's right. And what we find out is that 
Harrison for or Kimball has broken into his apartment. Yes, his house. Finds yeah. the evidence, and that's yeah. when he starts putting things together. Yeah, when he sees pictures of this junket they took to Mexico. Right. Yeah, and and so he intentionally leaves a phone off the hook so it can be traced to this guy's. That's apartment. right. He calls. Right. He calls from Sykes' place. That's right. Kimball calls Tommy Lee Jones, and he's right. like, uh, "So I found the one armed man. This mm-hmm. is where he lives." Um, and then they, yeah, they go to his house to investigate the break-in. Right, and what you find out is that the cops did investigate him, but he had all sorts of witnesses and support. Yeah, paid probably because he definitely was the guy who committed the murder. Right. And so uh, they didn't bother to do any further digging because, yeah. well, they're not... The cops don't ever come off really well. Because when it's easy when it's stars. the husband and you don't have right. to do anything else. And as they go to leave, uh, we know that at least Tommy Lee Jones and probably Joey Pants both are like, that guy's full of shit. Right. <laughs> full of shit. Like, it's clear that mm. that guy is full of shit. And then they know that he works for a pharmaceutical company. Mm. And even if they don't know the ins and outs of what uh, Richard Kimball was doing, doctor, pharmaceutical company, security head, right. the, n- nothing, it's, there's no good blood there. Like, there's no way that that's... It's, it's, it's really becoming apparent that he's telling the truth, Kimball is. Yeah. Um, so he's... He, Kimball, heads to the conference where Nichols is pre- presenting the Provasic. Provasic? Provasic. Um, but he does get attacked on the train by Sykes. So it's another fight between Harrison Ford and the one-armed man. And unfortunately, an officer who's on the train gets shot, which is now gives uh, impetus to the Chicago police to... to yes. They don't really care if he comes in line. They don't... Well, he ends up shooting the traffic cop, Sykes does. Mm-hmm. But then Kimball gets the gun away from him and handcuffs him to the seat. Uh-huh. But when people come on to see this dead cop and this famous killer that's all over the news, and he he can't say, this guy shot the cop. Like, right. he just has to fucking run. And so, yeah, like you say, now the... Now the uh, Chicago PD is treating him like a cop killer, and that's a, a kill on sight. Um, right, and now order. this is Gerard is now flipping the switch and going, wait, now I have to actually try to find him before the cops before do. Before the cops do, because they, first, if anyone's going to shoot him, right. it's going to be me. But, but I are, also don't think he should be right. shot. He's increasingly this coming, this is his character arc. It's where like, he's like, okay, I care a little whether you right. kill me or not. Especially because he keeps saving lives. Right. He's not acting. He, he could very well have just fled. He caught Sykes, the yeah. man who physically killed his wife. Right. Even if it wasn't his idea, he's the one who did it. And he didn't kill him. Right. He's not a killer. Right. right. Like, that just kind of proves he didn't fucking kill his wife. He couldn't kill the man that he believes killed his wife. The one he caught killed his wife, <laughs> yeah. right? Or, yeah, yeah. So that yeah, it's it really sort of solidifies that. But but the cops are like, we don't give two mm-hmm. shits, and we will kill him when we find him. Uh, and 
Harrison Ford, Kimball knows this. He also uh, knows this. He's like, I'm probably going to die tonight. So what am I going to do? I'm taking Nichols with me. <laughs> Not to death, uh, but um, but maybe. <laughs> he might beat him to death. Not on purpose, but just from hitting him too many times. He goes into the conference and he start and the like calls him out. He's like, uh, "You faked the results, right? Like you lied." I, you know, and uh, Nichols is like, um, "Why don't you just calm down and I'll calm down?" And this, yes, you that is Richard Kimball, and he's having a tough time. So I'm gonna go talk to him, and I'm like, "The fuck." Um, and then they go and they fight. And this is uh, Jerome Crab, Crab? Yeah. Who is another really big guy. He's really big. He seemed like he was like maybe 6'4". And these two guys, these two Close really... Close to like 300 pounds. He's a big just guy. Just slugging away at each other. Yeah. It's really like, oh shit. Something's yeah, been... and it is really a one big punch. Right. And then the other one would do one big punch back. Like it was... Well, what I told you that... I like about Harrison Ford is his ability to make things look like it they hurt. Yeah. And, and he does get hurt during these movies, that's one thing, but he yeah. really does, in this film, does not play it like he does Indiana Jones, where he's relatively Although, Indiana Jones, he, he limps. He, yeah. he does a lot of... <sighs> right, but he still is more nimble and active than here. Richard Kimball is a guy who's just... He's also 10 years older than right. when he was doing... But I mean, my point being that Indeed. he's playing, he's not... A, a man, right, not a superhero. A guy, yeah. Right. Who's, the hangdog every man, they right. say about Harrison Ford. Um, so this fight goes all the way to the roof. Mm -hmm. Not great for Kimball because there is a police helicopter up there that is actively, actively fire him. on him. Right. So and and at this point, Gerard saves his life. Gerard just, saves his life. He he what, he mm, he puts himself right. on the roof too, and he's like, "Make them stop fucking firing because I don't want to get shot." Like he puts himself in right. the line of fire to keep them from firing. Um, and then they fall through a skylight. Kimball and Nichols fall through a skylight. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then they kind of limp out into like whatever the fifth floor is. Oh, it's the laundry. Right. And um, the marshals figure out where in the building he is, and he goes there. And so it's Nichols, Kimball, Gerard, right? and Joy Pence. And jo oh yes, take it out. Pants. Sadly, very quickly. Yeah. Um, Renfro. Yes. Right. And. Uh, Gerard calls to Kimball. He's like, uh, I, I understand, like, I, I know that basically I know. I know. Right. You're innocent, I know. Uh, but I, you still have to turn yourself in. Like, that's not the end. Do we, like, we gotta close this up. And then, um, yeah, Nichols knocks out Renfro. Um, takes his gun. And then is aiming his gun at Gerard, but behind him, doesn't know he's there. And then Kimball takes a like a fire axe or a pipe or something. Yeah, it's a pipe. And, and hits Nichols in the legs, knocking the gun, knocking the gun out of his hand, uh -huh. and knocking him down. And then that's when Gerard turns and sees Kimball there, 
having taken down a man, sees the gun, like, sees right. the whole thing. And ba- and then Kibble basically is like, like, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm done now. Every, I did it. Right. <laughs> like, I can go back to jail if you want. And, um, he's escorted, uh, out and we see, yeah, news cameras like, is it possible that Richard Kimball is innocent? This is where we hear of he was convicted by a a, a right. jury of his peers, and it's like it really kind of seems like there was a one armed man and and a pharmaceutical right. so, like it seems like maybe all he that didn't the motivation provided by this guy right um so you just kind of see them sort of uh, 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 but he the U.S. Marshal has got his man, and they get into the car. They get both get into the back of the car, uh-huh. and then Tommy Lee Jones un, um, un- uncuffs him, cuffs, him right. yeah, and gives him some ice for his face because he they just bro- yeah he's been punched <laughs> in the face by a very big guy, and then they so, are, they just drive away, yeah. and you presume he's going to get time served for the prison break and. He's and probably going to be able to get more separate. rich if he sues the Chicago PD. Sue yeah. the Chicago P- PD. Go get your wife's life insurance right. because you are actually entitled to it. Ow. I need to sit up. And then you write a book about your story and it gets turned into a TV series and eventually a movie. It's yep. And then you're circle. rich forever. <laughs> so that's the fugitive. A lot happens, you guys. Yeah. It's, it's a... both of these characters are doing the most. Right. But like in a good way. So it's just, and it, that, that I think is what makes it so high up on this list. It right. is just from jump. It's a thriller. You're going. It, it really does. It, yeah. It's the train wreck happens 13 minutes into the movie. It's so good. But, even before that, it's just one thing after the other. Yeah. And it's told in a really... Um, Andrew Davis, the director, he... Uh, He's quite good. He was a musician. Started out as a musician. Um, he was an assistant to a cinematographer doing what's been called black exploitation movies in the 70s. And then wound up shooting films. Uh, and I think his... Uh, he's a very interesting guy. Just in general, because he was really good with bringing out talent from people who you don't suppose were particularly, you know, like a performer like Chuck Norris is really good at what he does. He wasn't a great actor, but in Code of Silence, he was able to bring a real feel to this character. Okay. And he surrounds him with all these other character actors in that film. That's a really good, that's another film that's actually really thrilling. He was, uh, like it or not, he's responsible for bringing a Steven Seagal. In the very first movie above yeah, the lawn. Yeah, but that's he a very did good Under Siege movie. too. Right. Oh, he did that Keanu Reeves movie, Chain Reaction, which is a movie that I think I like better than most people do. Yeah, he was very good at doing these really ensemble casts. Uh, not really an ensemble cast, there's always a star, but loading the film with so many interesting character pieces with really good actors and essentially creating like a modern noir style a lot of times. When you read about when he got the film, it had been in turnaround for five years now, right? Um, And he said the script he got was completely different, the film that the studio wanted to make. 
according to their, their the script that he got when he started was um, Richard Kimball is being chased by Gerard because Ger- uh, Kimball wasn't able to rescue Gerard's wife who Gerard had beaten nearly to death and Kimball tries to rescue her and can't and so Gerard now blames Kimball and is now pursuing Oh, really making the U.S. Marshals. Right. And like he's the villain. The dyed-in-the-wool villain. Yeah. And so that was the first thing he threw out, going, that, that doesn't, no. I mean, I'm sure that creates some sort of motivation, but that's not really, it's not true to the characters from the original TV show, which was something he cared about, actually. But also, I don't know if in 1993 mm-hmm. you could make a movie about a cop who was also a domestic abuser. Like, I feel like they were too reliant on police money well, to have the police allow... You know, it's like, right. you know, movies that use, mm-hmm. uh, like, um, an aircraft carrier right. have to put the Navy in a fairly good light, or guess what? You can't use our aircraft carrier. I feel like there's a similar police thing. The Oddly, he, in the film Code of Silence, the Chuck Norris film, yeah. is very... It questions police lifestyles and procedures really big time because the whole idea of a code of silence is a cop during... That's the thin line, right? Right. Yeah. A cop accidentally shoots a young kid during a huge major bust and all the rest of the cops are just turning away and not saying anything. Yeah, yeah. And he's... uh, 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 Norris's character is going, but I'm really suspicious because this cop was drinking on the job there was a young cop with him um, and he says that something else happened and so yeah it was a really interesting tense movie and so he's not afraid of going after it that way Um, but but yeah I I think that the last film he did or one of the films he did more recently Holes was supposed to be really good too yeah I haven't seen it his dad is in that movie I read the book in my adolescent lit class right so, yeah, I've always liked his work. He's really good at creating these sort of, like, very tense kind of action films. And they move along at a pace, and all the characters are interesting and compelling and things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it was very good, and I liked it very much. You liked it, too? Yes, I do. Yeah, I really do. I wonder if we should watch the sequel. It stuck in my head. I'll tell you how, how big, when I first saw this film, how, how important... Or how much it stuck in my head, rather. Uh, at one point, um, when my dad was alive, and this was all going on, he was going to the hospital, they asked my mom the medicines that he was taking, and she just said Provasic, because she couldn't remember. And the doctor That's really went, funny. What? Wait, what? Pro- That's not what? a thing. Although, it sounds like it right, could be. It sounds be. exactly like... <laughs> it, it might be it, now. Right. Oh, God. Well, it could be. I mean, for God's sakes, we have Sky Rizzy. If you Google it, uh-huh. this is kind of cool. If you Google it, the first thing that comes up is Provasic represents not only not only and new generation of pharmaceutical treatment protocol, but protocol, but rather a whole new paradigm for drug-based therapeutics. It's exactly what right. Nichols says, and it's Provasic Devlin McGregor Pharmaceuticals. Somebody oh, has made Devlin McGregor dot com. And there's pictures oh, of nickels, and you can get T-shirts that say Provasic on it. 
So no, <laughs> there isn't, but mostly because they're making money off of this. It's pretty funny. It's really funny. Yeah. It's updated to January 21st, 2022, but there's an executive team. Lens. Alec Lentz, that yeah, was the one that died. Okay. Um, Charles Nichols, MD, Chairman Emeritus. Uh, Alex Lentz, Chief Medical Officer. He was the head pathologist. Yeah. Mark Zwicker, Director of Non-GAAP. And then Frederick Sykes, Executive Security of VP. And then, yeah, you can get Devlin McGregor swag. You can get Provazic swag. <laughs> Career opportunities. Really funny. Um. Yeah, there's like a whole ass website set up and it's I kind of I'm going to click on careers and see what happens, but nothing is happening. Here we go. Yeah. They're looking for an executive assistant. <laughs> I imagine they'd have to find one. Bonus or... core requirements. We're just going to do this, guys. Must be a biological female, which may require DNA verification via independent lab prior to offer of employment. Must be between 18 and 23 years old and of a heterosexual sociotype. Should have completed at least ninth grade or comparative homeschooling. Should have a basic command of written and verbal English language. Candidate must be willing to waive EEOC and HIPAA rights under Title 16D. Bonus requirements. At least 18 months professional modeling agency experience. <laughs> oh, Hands-on experience in the adult industry while at least 18 years old. Significant social media influencer. At least 25,000 Instagram followers. Positive references from other senior executives in the past 10 days. Compensation is up to $180,000 per year or $1,000 per, uh, per diem. Then they also have, yeah, a senior intellectual proper, property defalc defalcation specialist. I'm pretty sure that's not a real thing. Yeah, so this is just fully, I'm going to, I'll link it in the show notes. There's a full, full Devlin McGregor website. That's really funny. So, no, there won't be a probiotic. Okay. In short, they, Universal owns that shit and is going to hold on to it. <laughs> so, uh, anything else on this movie? No, I, I, uh, I've seen it once or twice before, like I said, but it just created quite an impression. I feel like this is a good movie if it's on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's go ahead and watch it. Even the TNT version would be fun. Right. You know, even something that's cut up and less... It's not It's not like you're watching Pulp Fiction or something that's dependent on the use of dialogue or things that, you know, uh, that get cut and then the film makes no sense. So this is actually... It It earns its, um, its thrills, Yeah, I think. And yeah. it does it in a way where it's just sort of keeping the pressure on it constantly. Yeah. And you, you really want to find out what happens next. And you really want Kimball to, you know, he's he's innocent. You want him to get away. Yeah. And you also want him to um, avenge his wife's death, but he does it with such decency. Where he's not just on a mission of, of vengeance. He's going to expose these people for what they are. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's fun. So, next week... Um. We're gonna we're gonna be more we're we're gonna be with uh some people who are not as trustworthy as Richard Kimball. Okay. We're watching 
Alfred Hitchcock's Strangers on a Train. Oh, yeah. Also could be called Murderers on a Train, or at least one single murderer on a train. It's one of my favorite Hitchcock movies. Seek same. (laughs) Murderer on train. There we go. That's the the rom-com version of it. It's the rom-com version. It's a really, really, for those of you who haven't seen it, it's a really good movie. I remember being way chill, so I'm thinking I might be remembering it wrong because if it's this high up on the thrills list, I'm going to need my heart to be going. Well, part of it is that Hitchcock is really, I mean, along with Uncle Charlie and Shadow of a Doubt or Norman Bates, this is one of his villains that he created that is just really, it, he, it's, Bruno is a real psychopath, like a yeah. genuine psychopath where he's dangerous, but at the same time, he seems perfectly harmless. Got you. So he's yeah, able, that's kind of the worst. Right, that's how, to get that's how you so get, much. yeah, and how you get caught up. And you feel like, you know... The creepy dude you stay away from. Right. And that's, I think, when I saw the remake of uh, that uh, Gus Van Sant, I think, did of uh, Psycho. Yes. That was the problem. It's like Anthony Perkins... Vince Vaughn is is no Anthony Perkins. That that cast... It it was weird to do a shot-for-shot remake of a Hitchcock movie, any one of them. That's a weird thing to set out to do in a commercial setting to then make money. Like, right. if you want to just practice or whatever, yeah. fine. It's like painting the masters. Go for it. But okay, Gus Van Sant, you're going to put this in theaters and we're, we're going to have to see a it? very influential director and you're doing essentially a paint-by-numbers-of-the-Mona-Lisa. And the casting is the most baffling part of right. it. How is Anne Heche, uh what's her name? Vi- uh, Janet, Janet, Janet Lee. Lee. Right. In but, what world? So, sorry, rest in peace. Um, but right. like, come on. But the, uh, but the Vince Vaughn. Right, Vince Vaughn. It's Anthony Perkins' choice. character was like so helpless, is, and she felt comfortable because you know he was so helpless. Who would be amazing in that role? Who? I bet Tom Holland. Nowadays, yeah. Right now, at the time, not then. He was a he was like four at or the something. Time, who was the actor who I really wanted? Uh, and I, our other roommate Stephanie also agreed with me. That would have been the perfect choice. Was um, I have one in my head? It's uh, what is it? Good, good, good lord! Um, Fight Club. Norton. Edward Norton. Ed Norton. Ed Norton. Edward yeah, that's Norton a, that would be good. Would have, because it was like right after Primal Fear, right? Yeah. And he would have done a great job of playing I mean, this sort of. Withering, that's what Primal Fear right, is. But that's he, what that that. You feel bad is. for for. Uh, Norman Bates because he's like helpless. Yeah. And he's put upon and he's gently trusts him because he's so twitchy and kind of sad. And yeah. Vince Vaughn is six foot three or four and kind of He's I think he's six six. Really? He's so tall. Yeah. That was part of it. I was like ev- Okay, here's what Gus Van Sant doesn't understand. Mm-hmm. Every woman is nervous around a guy she doesn't know that's that big. Right. Well, she's you're so nervous around a guy that you don't know when you're on the run. Or with six, all this he's money. six five, so right. he's close. huge. So yeah. the thing is that you're gonna be put. You're right. gonna be on your defensive. You're gonna be like, okay, well, especially Anne Hage. She's five feet tall. Right. Exactly. 
And so it just seemed like, like there's no way she's just like she yeah. Chill with this guy. Why is she having a sandwich with him? It was. It's like he didn't understand basically what made Norman Bates work. Whereas in this film, in the original, of course, it, that was just a genius piece of casting. But uh, also with Bruno in Strangers on Trainers, we'll see. Here's a guy who just he comes to life when he after he's killed somebody, and he becomes the sort of life of the party, yeah. and he's very, you know, mm-hmm. energetic, and people love him. It's like, well, he's a murderer, and we know something about him that other people don't know. Yeah. The fact that he's just nuts. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it's a good film. I enjoy that one. So we are going to... We are going to be watching that next week. Okay. You recommend it. I but do. do you recommend anything else um, for our lovely, lovely listeners? I saw a film this weekend. That I, a film? I appreciated the film. Film? It was... Uh, Quantumania? We did watch Ant-Man and the Wasp right. in Quantumania, I believe is the full title. It's too long. Yeah, it, it is. It was, it's, I still have to digest it because it was so weird. Yeah. It was very weird. There's a point in Guardians of the Galaxy where they go to like the meat planet. And by that, I mean the planet is made for organic made tissue. Flesh, yeah. So it's just weird. And I thought, okay, that's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. And then I saw this film where... Oh, it's weirder. It's well, I mean, it is... Weird. Another universe, right. for all intents and purposes. And I appreciate that, that it's not like the old days, you know, when you're watching Star Trek or something, and it's basically people are or really even the green. not so... Oh, yeah. But right. e- this is, these aren't aliens, either. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not extraterrestrial. Right. Well, some of them are. Kang is. Well, yes, but... For the most part, right. the people in the quantum realm are just, sm- they're here, but they're small. Uh-huh. They're much smaller. And that's what I liked about it. It yeah. does not seem to follow any of the patterns of evolution that we're familiar with. So nope. there's just lots of protoplasm Slime. and glue goo and, and mollusks. Ooze. Lots of talking mollusks. Ooze from things that don't have holes, but then things that do have holes. Yeah, so it's it, it was a lot to Modoc, digest. Corey Stoll's huge, weird head. Oh my gosh. <laughs> with a tiny I, baby butt. So upsetting. He's one of the weirder <laughs> villains in comic books when I was a kid, and just to see somebody try that going, huh, and his, he really does bring a lot of comic relief to this film. And so there's a there's some really funny parts to it. It's it's a it's a fun movie. It, it's fun. It's just yeah. It was a lot, and I'm looking at it going, oh my god. I my. have trouble with Jonathan Majors right. at this stage. It sucks because he's fucking good. Right. Yes. But that doesn't. And I remember seeing him in the last Black Man in San Francisco. I I will I, I will admire that. the work that he has done. Um, and I hope that he gets some help because yeah, I just don't. And I know that Marvel has basically set up the next chunk to be circled around him. And I, I don't know. It's upsetting to me uh, because I, I believe that he uh, has been abusive to at least two mm-hmm. <laughs> partners. So, 
<sighs> that sucks. Yeah. Because he's a big dude. And I doubt he dates big women. So, that's not an ideal situation. Even if he did, that wouldn't matter. But, I no, it wouldn't, but... Don't lay your hands on anybody. Uh, but, I yeah, no, I liked the movie. I, the It was beautiful to mm-hmm. look at. Uh, very weird. It was very weird. It was very weird. And like I said, it'll take me a minute to sort of digest everything I saw because there was so much going but on. But I could process it better than, like, I can process things like Transformers. Mm-hmm. Although I think this new Transformers... I feel like I can I can process the animal ones way better than I can the car ones because some point in their transformation it's just shapes. Right. It doesn't look like anything that I can recognize, so my brain just goes, That's nothing. That's a cartoon. Like that's nothing. You don't have to look you don't have to don't worry about it. Yeah. It's nothing. Um and so I have a lot of times when I'm looking at those movies and I'm just like, I don't understand what is happening on the screen. I, I can't watch them. They're just... Um, yeah, too... I have not watched one since right. the first one, Although, other than Bumblebee. I saw Bumblebee, Bumblebee's right. I was going to bring that up. I did like Bumblebee. Yeah. So did you see something that you liked this week? I feel like I did. I liked their card counter. I would recommend that movie. That's an interesting film, too. And I, I, I liked it, mostly because Paul Schrader finally ends a film well. Yeah, it not everybody has to die horribly and sad and alone. Right. Uh, yeah, there's a Paul Schrader movie from uh-huh. 2021 starring um, Oscar what's Isaac. His name I'm like it starts with an O. Oscar Isaac and Tiffany Haddish, which uh-huh. is a very cool casting. Uh, he's a card counter, uh, and he's trying to save the life. Of a former co-worker's son, mm-hmm. who's played by uh, what's his name, the kid from Ready Player One, <laughs> whose name Ty Sheridan mm-hmm. leaves me because. That sounds like the name of like, oh, I get that name mixed up with the like the director of the westerns, um, like the Justified guy. Okay, uh, it's Sheridan something or something Sheridan as well. So Ty, so Ty, I think it's a much older person, and Ty Sheridan's a kid, uh, and he is a person who really transforms from one role to another, Mm. uh, in an interesting way. That I'll be, uh. I'd like to see. But this movie deals with some post-traumatic stress disorder centered around Abu Ghraib. We'll say that. And um, you know, I don't know how much I want to say. Right, you don't want to give That's too much of thing. Like I didn't know very much about it before I watched yeah. it and I was glad. So that's what I'll say. Also, Willem Dafoe is in it. So that's good. The cast is great. Uh, it's a slower paced, sort of more deliberate movie than something like Ant-Man. <laughs> so you've got to be in the mood for like a grown-up movie. Like think of Molly's Game or something like that. Uh, and if you're in the mood for that, you might like 
the card counter. Yeah, I, I, I liked it. And like I said, one of my big flaws was uh, flaws of Paul Trader's movies is that often he doesn't know how to end them. They just sort of stop. And you're going, wait, what? Yeah. And I think Martin Scorsese, who produced this film, yeah. is actually very good with kind of guiding him along in their collaborations. Mm. Um, but it, I, it's this question of like suffering and redemption. Yeah. Because I, I believe they're both uh, devoutly Catholic. That really yeah. comes out in their work. A very kind of the sense of guilt and, mm-hmm. and shame and working past things. Yeah. But I appreciate that because that's also my particular uh, uh, faith language, too, and faith. And so when I look at someone taking it seriously, going, what is the work I have to do to feel, to stop this from happening? And right. how do I fix this in myself? And we don't get a lot of that. We don't no. get a lot of movies about that anymore. We get lots of entertaining films and we get lots, you know, scary films. But there's not yeah. a lot of, I've done something and I have to make amends. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a really good, but it's a serious film. It's serious. Serious. Even though it has Tiffany Haddish in it. Right. Uh, who's really fun in it. She's really good. Uh, so, that's it? That's I think it. that's it. Next week, Strangers on a Train, 1951. Um, you shouldn't talk to strangers on trains, and this is why. You shouldn't talk to strangers anywhere. Um, but then how will we make new friends? Um, in socially acceptable backgrounds with a with a mediator, I think. Oh, okay. I need a friend matchmaker, it yes. sounds like. All right. If you have questions or comments or concerns, uh, or if you are confused and think that everyone who's ever been convicted is guilty, please send me an email at latecomerspot at gmail.com. If that's the case, they sure nail that Jesus guy. I, I mean, have yeah, that guy. some reading for you. Right. Uh, and then you can also find me on Facebook at Latecomers Podcast or on Twitter. Wheels aren't falling off yet, so okay. we're checking along. Never had a check. We'll never have a check. Uh, I want to remind you to please, please take your medicine. And we'd like to remind you... Better late than never. never.